like we have much of a choice, but I'll remind him. But I was going into Toshi Station to pick up some power converters. Well, come on, Red, let's go. This R2 unit has a bad motivator, look. It just isn't fair. Oh, Biggs is right. I'm never going to get out of here. Not unless you can alter time, speed up the harvest, or teleport me off this rock. Wait a minute, where'd she go? Bring her back. Play back the entire message. But it's a whole other year. Where are you going? Looks like I'm going nowhere. You know, that little droid's gonna cost me a lot of trouble. Hey, whoa, just where do you think you're going? I'm not going to Alderaan. I'm not going to get home. It's late. I'm in for as it is. It's not that I like the Empire. I hate it, but there's nothing I can do about it right now. If they trace the robots here, they may have learned who they sold them to, and that would lead them back home. Do you really think we're gonna find a pilot here that'll take us to Alderaan? 10,000? We can almost buy our own ship for that. You bet I could. I'm not such a bad pilot myself. We don't have to sit here and listen. That's okay. I'm never coming back to this planet again. All right, give it to me. I'll take it. What a piece of junk. Why don't you outrun him? I thought you said this thing was fast. Are you kidding? The rig they're gaining? What's that flashing? <laughs> With the blast shield down, I can't even see. How am I supposed to fight? What's going on? What? How? Why are we still moving towards it? You know, between his howling and your blasting everything inside, so one of the whole station doesn't know we're here. I want to go with you. The droids belong to her. She's the one in the message. We gotta help her. He didn't know she was here. They're gonna execute her. Look, a few minutes ago, you said you didn't want to just wait here to be captured. Now all you want to do is stay, but they're gonna kill her. You forget it. I already tried it. It's magnetically sealed. Take care of yourself, huh? I guess that's what you're best at, isn't it? I can't shake it! Biggs, where are you? You can't do any more good back there! Alright, in 1978, my parents let me see Star Wars. It was kind of a big deal because they were afraid that I was going to be shocked by all the violence, and they thought it was going to, you know, mess me up because there was just too much, you know, shooting and stuff that I was going to wound me. But guess what? It didn't wound me, did it? it I mean, I was blown away. Now, at this point, when I was a boy, uh, I had experienced a lot about God. I had a lot of, uh, if you want to call it religious experiences, I've had quite a few. But this is the first time where... A movie almost had a religious experience. Now, I knew the difference. I really didn't know the difference. But, man, I was just captivated. I mean, I was literally taken to, you know, not to be cheeky, but to another galaxy, it seemed like. It seemed like a whole new world just opened up to a young little boy in 1978. And, um, you know, and then I, I was hooked. I was hooked. And Luke Skywalker was my guy. I mean, I dressed up as Luke Skywalker for Halloween, and I pretended like I was him, and I acted like I was him. It's just, it's like who I wanted to be. It, it, it made such a, a powerful impact in, into my consciousness. It really did. And then, you know, and then what happens? Then you grow up, right? You know, you went through the other two movies, you grow up, and you go through high school, graduated college, and then I got a real job, and then I put away childish things. Uh, while I was away from school, my mom sold all my Star Wars stuff at a garage sale. I mean, I just, I know this is not a sermon about forgiveness, but man, that was hard. That was so hard. I mean, I had all the cool toys, and they're, now they're gone. Some nerd has them locked up in his closet somewhere. But um, it was so difficult, right? And then uh, after I just experienced life and I grew up and I, I took on responsibility and I put away childish things and I was supporting myself, 
had a job. I had a couple of different careers by this time, and it was in 1996. I was living in Seattle, and uh, they re-released the original Star Wars series, the first three movies, and they, you know, they redid them digitally. They, add some, they added some digital creatures like you know, the, the Jabba the Hutt into the first one, and it was really cool. And so it was like a big deal. It was like a, another, like almost like a cult fan-following event, and everybody showed up. And in Seattle, you dressed up. I didn't dress up. I swear to you, I did not dress up. But I did go to the movies because they were, it was very exciting. And I remember um, sitting in and watching Star Wars again in the theater in 1996, and all all of these memories just came back. It, like There was something about watching this movie again that triggered something into my past. And I remembered things as a child that I had not remembered before. Um, we, when the original Star Wars came out, we were living up here in Alta Loma, but Dad was also pastoring. Or he was trying to pastor a church in New Hall. <laughs> it was the dark side over there. It really was. Um, it was the... Uh, he was the lead pastor, but Emperor Palpatine was pulling all the strings. So it was, right? <laughs> right? That was, uh, he was not in control. Um, anyway, uh, but I remember sitting in, he had to buy a Cadillac. In order to be Assembly of God pastor, he had to have a Cadillac. Remember the Cadillac? Remember that blue monster of a, of a car? And it had an eight-track player, and I had the Star Wars music on eight-track. That's how legit I am. And so in 1996, when that thing came on, I remember it like, it like teleported me back to being a child in my dad's Cadillac, listening to Star Wars on the 8-track. That's how powerful this movie was. But you know what wrecked me? Was I realized for the first time that Luke Skywalker was a big crybaby, <laughs> was a big wuss. I mean, he whines through the entire movie. And as a, as a young adult man, I was crestfallen because my hero was not who I thought that he was. I was devastated. It's like, oh my gosh. I mean, I dressed up like this guy for Halloween, and he's like the biggest wuss in the galaxy. <laughs> and so what in the world does Star Wars, and specifically today, the story and the journey of Luke Skywalker. What does that have to do with the gospel message of Jesus Christ? What does it have to do with faith? What does that have to do with your journey? It has absolutely everything to do with you. It has absolutely everything to do with your journey. Because his journey in this little story, I mean, as simple as it might be, it is profound because we all go through this, this, this type of a journey, this unlikely of heroes. You know, whether you're a boy or a girl, we all go this, through the same journey. There's the, there's, the, there's the poor kid in the poor town who doesn't have any opportunities. He doesn't have any education. He doesn't have any money. He might not have any parents. He doesn't have anybody or she doesn't have anybody that can speak directly into his life. He has no purpose and he has no direction for the future. And what does he do? He, he's just settling. He's going to settle. He's going to accept the world the way that it is. And he's just going to be a moisture farmer. He's just going to you know, fix robots. He's just going to dink around. He has no idea that, that his destiny, that his purpose is for something larger, is for something greater and he's going to save the galaxy. Now, of course, we're, no one in this room is going to save the galaxy. 
But God is calling us all up to a higher level of living. He really is. He has more planned for you than you could possibly imagine. And this, the point of this hero's journey is, is that, and, and I, 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 last year I illustrated this because I, we had to stop the series, but uh, last year, uh, it's online, you can get it, uh, I illustrated this, this hero's journey, the, the going from insignificance, moving into an area where the world changes, where somehow it becomes magical, and, and you shift from being a passive, whiny, you know, I'm just going to accept the way the world is into something magical, and it just opens up. And this is what we see happen with Luke. He goes into a brand new world, and it becomes, it literally becomes magical. And he is led by a wise sage. Like, it's a lot like coming to the Lord. Did you know that? Like, when you receive Jesus into your heart, when you become saved, if your world did not change, if you did not see the world differently, if it did not shift from being mundane and boring and hopeless, if it didn't shift from that to being, I am so excited about life right now. All the colors have changed. Everything is more vibrant. I have more hope inside of me that I did not know existed. If you do not shift from that, then I don't know if you've actually crossed that line of faith. Like if there's no excitement, if it didn't, if it didn't resonate something deep down inside of you, then you, you might need to do it again. I'll just consider that prayerfully. What is... What is Luke's problem. What's our problem? It's, it's four things, really. You know, you see him just whining and complaining and griping about everything. He's whining about, he's whining about his circumstances. He has a false belief system about his circumstances. He doesn't believe that he can actually get out of the dumpy, poor town. He doesn't believe that he can escape where he's at. So he has, a, he has a false belief system on his circumstances and his worldview. That's one problem. Another huge problem that he has, he's, he has improper beliefs about the people that are around him. He has improper beliefs about the force Okay, this translates over real directly, right? He doesn't believe in the force. He doesn't believe in something supernatural. For us, a lot of us, our biggest issue is that we, even though we, I don't know, come to church and read the Bible, we actually don't believe the stuff. We have, we have a problem with the force. But today, this is what we're going to be looking at the next four weeks. We're going to be focusing about improper beliefs, about about, um, about God, about the force, about the spirituality. That's going uh, to be next week. Okay, don't miss next week. So we're going to be looking at how God wants us to see himself, the truth about God, what we ought to believe about God. And a lot of us are struggling spiritually because we have improper beliefs about God. And next week's going to be absolutely amazing because we're going to have a guest speaker. And I want, you to, I want you to invite your friends and your family and your kids. We're going to bring the kids down from Sunday school because our guest speaker is going to, seriously, no joke here, it's going to be Yoda. And so Yoda has some very interesting thoughts about God, right? Some of, some of Yoda's thoughts about God are true, but a lot of them are not true. 
And we're going to look at this. We're going to look about improper beliefs about God. And then the following week, this one actually, I'm actually excited about all the talks, but this one I think is probably most important, maybe for our church, is improper beliefs about people. Like, it's very easy, especially in a political season, to believe improper things about people. You just think that you just automatically assume the worst. So the following week, we'll look about that. We'll look at improper beliefs about people and then improper beliefs about our worldview and how we view the world. But today, today could be possibly the most important message in your entire life because it's going to deal about improper beliefs that we have about ourselves. And this is Luke's problem. And it's our problem. We think improper beliefs about ourselves. We call ourselves believers, but sometimes it's so hard to actually have a proper belief system or believe proper truths even about ourselves. We spend a majority of our times beating up ourselves or thinking negative thoughts about ourselves, and it's just, it, it, Luke's problem with everything is cynicism. When, sin, when you become cynical about the world and about people and about God and about yourself, that cynicism is a poison to your soul. And it will make you sick. And it will make you conform to the pattern of the world, the way that the world wants you to think, the way that the world wants you to think about yourself. And so the number one thing that we got to do, that we got to get into our heads, is we have to quit being so cynical about our own beliefs about ourselves. And we all believe things about ourselves. But here's going to be the major push. Here's going to be the major thing that we need to get into our heads, is that God believes something about you. And do you believe what God believes about you? That's the whole trick of the day. Do you have the same beliefs about yourself as God believes about you? How do we do this? All right. Get your Bibles out, and this is the verse that we're going to be camping on. We're going to be looking at it in detail for the next four weeks. I've hit on it before, but tell you what. If, if I don't have it in me, and I'm your pastor, like if, it's, if it hasn't I'm not there yet. I know, I know, I know that I'm not there yet. And then I know this verse is familiar to everybody. But if I'm not there yet, chances are you're not there yet either. And if you are there, you can have the pulpit. But chances are you probably are not. But this is so key. Like, if we get this, folks, here's what's at stake. Like, if we don't get this verse... And if we don't begin to build proper thoughts about ourselves today, this year, you will end up cynical people. That's what's at stake. And when you are cynical, you, you are useless to God, and you, are, you will never have victory in your life. So that's, what, that is what, that's what's at stake. So let's just get this verse into our heads. Romans 1, excuse me, Romans 12, 1. Paul says, Therefore, I urge you, Brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice to God, holy and pleasing to God. 
This is your spiritual act of worship. Okay, now whenever Paul says, therefore, and then when he says, I urge you, and then when he is saying, brothers and sisters, I mean, he is saying, you need to pay attention. Like, it's as if Paul is coming out of the Bible himself, and he's grabbing you by the shoulders. He's giving you a big smack across the face, and he's saying, you have to pay attention to this. Offer your bodies. Okay, what does that mean? It means a lot of things, right? Like, you know, it can mean it's the new year, so go on a diet. But what it really means is give him all your strength. Like, there's, like that, that, that element that wells up deep inside of you that, that makes you fight. What does the Shema say? Hear, O Israel, your Lord, your God is one. Love your Lord, your God, with all of your heart, with all of your mind, with all of your soul, and with all of your what? With all of your strength is what Jesus says. Jesus makes this point. He brings this scripture out because it is so important. He says, you have to love God with all of your strength. And what he's saying, it is your body. I mean, you have to get your body to church. You have to get your body moving. You have to get your hands raised when you worship. Everything within you, you have to pull it off. And then he goes on further to say, and this is the key to the whole thing, folks. You need to memorize this verse. He says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. I used to quote this, this scripture saying patterns of this world, but it is one thing. It is a pattern. What's the pattern? It's sin. The world's system is based on sin, cynicism, doubt, fear. It is the corrupt generation that the Bible talks about over and over and over again. It is the world. He says, do not conform to the world. Do not conform to the pattern. It's one thing. There's only one thing you need to fight, and that's the devil himself. Do not conform to the pattern of the world. But what? But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The renewing of your mind. then you will be able to test and to prove God's will, his good and pleasing and perfect will. How many people, you just, you need some clarity this year. Like you have no idea where you're going. You have no idea what's going on in your life. You really would like to have some answers from God. Like you're calling out and you're begging God, God, I need to know where my life is going. I need some clarity. Do you ever feel like this? Do you feel like you need some clarity in your life? You need God's will. And here's the thing that we really, I mean, we just need to sacrifice this part of ourselves. We need to sacrifice our own personal will for God's will. That's the hero's journey. Look, that was, that's Luke Skywalker's journey. He sacrificed his own will for a bigger will beyond himself. We need to do it. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And how do we do that, folks? I got three things for you today. Write these down. You, got, uh, you, got no, you can take notes. You got to write these th things down. Are you ready? <laughs> Are you ready? This, this one's probably going to be the worst out of all of them. And the, how do you actually transform your mind? Point number, point number one, you're not going to like this. You're just not. 
but it's scripture, folks. It's Bible. It's the word of God. I don't mean to make it, to have it come off flippantly or silly or whatever, but the first thing that we got to do, if you really want to have that empowered, transformed mind, is you have to quit whining. <laughs> Write it down. You have to stop whining. And we do it, and we don't even realize that we're doing it, do it, huh? Like we are so, like, one way to the, on Romans 12, the one way to look at the, okay, don't conform to the patterns of this world. One way to look at it is, is that we are so indoctrinated into the way the world functions and the way the world acts that we don't even realize it. We, we use the world's language and we don't even know that it's coming out. We don't know that we speak the devil's language. It just happens because we're so used to it. It's a huge trap. It's the, it's the frog that's, that's cooking in the kettle slowly, right? And that's where the enemy of God wants us. He wants us to slowly cook away. He wants us to feel a part of something, feel a part of this world, and one of the things that the world does best, it's something that we just gravitate to, towards naturally. The reason why we gravitate towards it naturally is it's because it's a part of our sin nature. We were born with this, with this flaw, with this inability, and that inability is to complain. It is to gripe. It is to whine. It is to give every excuse why you cannot do something. It is to give every excuse why the world has done you wrong. It is to come up with every concept of how people have wronged you or stabbed you in the back or how God has not been faithful to you. And these thoughts are all improper thoughts, and they all come from the enemy, and they're all evil. They're all lies. And the first thing that we need to do is that we just need to recognize, all right, this is, um, you know, let's go ahead and pass these out now, Joe. Okay, I, if, if you got a bulletin, in your bulletin there was a card, and some of you did not get a card. It's just, a, it's just an invitation card. But let's pass these out. I want you to take these home. Raise your hand if you did not get a card in your bulletin. All right. Raise your hand if you didn't get one. All right. And I just want you to start writing some, jotting th some things down. And what I want you to, maybe on the top of this, on the top of the leaf, I want you to write down, um, you ready? What you whine about. Like an improper belief system that you are whining about. Now, there's a lot of things that you can be whining about. You can be whining about, I don't know, your spouse, you could be whining about your job. You can be whining about the, the election. There's a, there's a number of things that you can be whining about. But what I really want to hone in on today and what I really want you to focus on is you. I mean, just, I mean, just be a little bit self-reflective today. It's okay. Today in this sermon, you can focus on you, focusing on you, focusing on you. Because if you do not change, you cannot change the world around you. So what is that one thing that you are whining about yourself? Oh, Josh, you're always late. Oh, Josh, you're always sloppy. I mean, right? You're never going to get organized. You're never going to get on top of things. You're never going to be successful. 
what are these things that you are whining about yourself, right? Maybe write it up on top of the top of the leaf. And here's what you got to get into your head. You have to get the word of God into your head. And this is what it says on your first point. Philippians, Philippians uh, chapter 2, 14. Okay, you ready? I told you this was scripture. They say, do not whine. First point of your bulletin, it's scripture. It's in the word. Because Philippians uh, 2, 14 says it. Do everything without grumbling or arguing. How do you like that one, folks? Do everything, everything, without arguing and grumbling. Gosh, that's hard. I mean, these are the points where you throw your Bible across the room because you, are, you complain about everything. All right, what's it say? What's Paul say? Paul's amazing, by the way. It says, so that you may become blameless and pure, Children of God without fault. Really? You want to be a child of God? I know that you are. I know that we are. We're all children of God. But do you want to be blameless and pure? Do you want to be seen as a child of God? Maybe God sees you as a child of God. Of course he does. That's how he sees you. That's what he believes about you. He believes that you're a child of God. But maybe nobody else does. Maybe nobody else could see that you're a child of God because you're griping too much and you're whining too much and you're complaining about everything and people can't stand being around you. That was a little harsh. I'm sorry. Um, Right? Maybe people need to see something about you that's a little bit different. Because what's it say? Children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. There's that pattern of the world. So the pattern of the world is griping and complaining. It's the opposite. The warped and crooked generation is the world. And in order to counterbalance what's going on in the world, we have to quit complaining. We have to quit griping. He says, then you will shine among them like stars in the sky. How many people want to be a star at work? How many people want to shine in the workplace? You want to shine in your marriage. You want to shine in the community. You want to shine at your school. You got to quit complaining about it. You got to quit arguing about it. You got to quit whining about it. Maybe you're completely justified about complaining about your boss because your boss is a big fat jerk. Maybe Maybe you've got every right in the world to do so. But if you want to shine, you've got to quit griping about him. You just do. I'm sorry. You get to choose whether you shine or not. And the only way that you can shine is if you quit whining about stuff. That's tough, huh? Aren't you glad you came to church today? (laughs) I know. As you hold firm to the word of life, and I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. If you're a mentor and if you're speaking into somebody's life, this is one incredible thing that you could pour into somebody. Don't whine about stuff. I'm not saying don't, you know, don't accept it, don't bend over, don't whatever, but don't whine about stuff. That is one of the most powerful things that you can do in mentoring a young person. Get that, just work that cynicism right out of them. All right, you ready for some really hard homework? Look, you have to intentionally choose something not to whine about. Now, maybe you don't have something, maybe you're just like super 
uh, holy like I am, and there's nothing inside of you that you're whining about, I'll, I'll show you how hard this is. You pick a person to quit arguing about or whining about or complaining about. You want me to really push on you? You, pull like a, you pick a political candidate to quit whining about. I want to do it. Just, just give it a test. Go a week without complaining about Hillary, without complaining about Obama, without complaining about Trump, without complaining about all the other Republican candidates that aren't even on the board anymore. Just go a week without saying a negative thing about all of them, and we'll see how well you do. Because the, the principality and the ruler of this air, he has control over the airwaves, and he's pouring things into your head, and he's pouring things into the TV, and he wants his world to be angry, mean, cynical, and griping. Just go a week without complaining. It's hard. God's got me in this season in life, and it's not with political people. You know, God's got me in this season where, oh, should I just tell you? Should I just tell you? Yes. All right, well, okay, so this Randy Clark thing that we're doing, it's a multi-church thing. I, I'm an only child. I don't play well with others, and I don't like to share. <laughs> I have issues. And it is my human nature to complain about these other guys that I'm working with because my way is the right way, and they don't know what they're doing. And Lord really got to me. He really grabbed me by the, the shoulders. He says, you need to quit complaining about that guy. Now, they're all great guys. I love them all. But he's told me to quit complaining. And I trust me, I have, because I'm, you know, I'm in these little social circles with different people, different streams, different avenues of different pastors and different leaders. And trust me, there is a lot of opportunity to argue and to gripe and to whine and to tear down the guy across the street. It, it is amazing how much the enemy of God wants to do this. So, and I have, I have chosen not to complain about people. Now, that might not apply to you guys, but for, as a joke, I, I, I won't complain. I love you. You guys are amazing. I don't complain about you ever. <laughs> so, I know. But you see how hard it is? And again, in a couple of weeks, we're going to be looking at how do you have proper beliefs about other people? How do you believe the best about people? It's very difficult to do. Because as Pastor pointed out last week, all people are liars. <laughs> how, do you, how do you think the best about people when the word of God says that all people are liars? They're going to stab you in the back and betray you. How do you do that? You've got to get into the word of God, folks. You've got to see what Paul says. If anybody knew the nature of human beings, it's the Apostle Paul. Well, besides our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, of course. But Paul is really close. And Paul, dealing with, of all people, the Corinthians, some of the most horrible people on the planet, he says, I have confidence in you. I believe in you. I trust you. You guys are good people. These guys were not good people. They were horrible people. They really were. But Paul saw something in them, and he believed in them, even though they were a bunch of liars and a bunch of cheaters and a bunch of fornicators and tied into material possessions. He believed in them. It's absolutely amazing. All right. So quit whining, point number one. Point number two is you've got to get a sage. You either have to get a sage or you have to become a sage. 
And probably a lot of us need to become a sage. What, what, is, what do you mean sage? Oh, that's weird. You need, a, you need an Obi-Wan Kenobi in your life. Or you need to become an Obi-Wan Kenobi. It's either two things. It actually should be both. Like you need to position yourself. Sunday morning's fine. You can, you can receive from us on Sunday morning, but I want to encourage you. It's just, it's just not Sunday. You need an Obi-Wan Kenobi that says, Luke, Leia, I could do this, but I would rather have you do it, right? Obi-Wan Kenobi could have saved the galaxy. He's done it multiple times already. He could easily have done it, but he says, I want you to do it. And I'm going to open up your eyes, and I'm going to expose you to a whole new world full of magic, through of adventure, through hard times, through troubles, and, and, and you're going to have the force in you. I'm going to empower you. I'm going to guide you, and, and then I'm going to cut you loose. And so a lot of, we just, like, we need to have, we need to have a sage in our life. Sounds a little new agey, I know, but let's say it this way. You need to have a spiritual father, a spiritual mother in your life. Like the reason why I picked up on Philippians today is because I snuck into the woman's Bible study and they kicked me out, but I snuck into the woman's Bible study. You know what they're studying? They're studying Philippians, the whole book of Philippians, the book of joy, written by a man who had, who had every circumstance to be grumpy and complaining and whiny because he was in a cesspool tied around a column and he was talking about how joyful he was and how to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Don't let your circumstances dictate how you feel. Don't let, let, let your, your belief system about yourself dictate how you feel, but since to have joy, do everything without complaining, even though I'm I'm up to my knees in human excrement. I'm not complaining. This is what the women are studying. So if you need a sage, oh my gosh, we have some of the most powerful women on the planet that can speak into your lives, that can change who you are, that can change the way that you think just by studying a very small book in the Bible. My favorite book in the Bible, by the way. You could come on Wednesday night and you can hear, in my opinion... I know I'm biased because I'm related. You can hear one of the best sages on the planet. He's speaking about the, about the letters and the epistles of Paul. Like everything that I know, everything that has been imparted to me has come from that man. He is the most incredible spiritual father you could ever hope to have. And he's sitting right here. In college, I, I sat under an Oxford professor who taught New Testament. He was, he was a super brainiac, the smartest guy. He wrote textbooks. He, he taught at Oxford. He taught at Harvard. He taught at, at Westmont, where I went, where I got to sit under him. My dad knows Paul better than he does, right? You have an incredible opportunity to sit under Obi-Wan Kenobi of the New Testament. You really do. One of, my, one of my pet peeves in, in church life is that people will say, well, you know what? I'm just not getting the meat in that church. So I'm going to come over to this church and get some meat, right? It's actually a huge fallacy, but folks, here, Paul says this. Hebrews 5.12 says, By this time, he's talking to a bunch of church folks. By this time, you ought to be teachers. By this time, 
I have poured a lot out you. I have like Obi-Wan Kenobi you to death. I have showed you the universe. I have showed you all the magical tricks. I've showed you how to tap into the force. And by now, you ought to be teaching it. You need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again? You need milk, not solid food. You know what solid food really is? Solid food is when you quit showing up to the class, and when you quit showing up to the conference, and when you quit showing up to the church, and you start teaching. Now, you can trick yourself. You can say, I'm going to go to that other church that, 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 I don't know, that does this deep inductive Bible study. It's still milk. I'm going to go to that other church that, um, well, they, they, they teach the word of God and they, they, they go verse by verse. We really get into it. Still milk. I need more. I need to be built up more inside of myself. I'm going to... I'm going to go to seminary and I'm going to learn and I'm going to, I'm going to memorize the entire Bible word for word. Still milk. It doesn't become meat until you start teaching it. It doesn't become, it doesn't become meat until you, until you become Obi-Wan Kenobi, folks. Does that make sense? So don't trick yourselves. Just because you get an intellectual mind dump, just because somebody drops some knowledge on you and you're like, wow, my mind is blown. It's milk until you start acting it, until you start living it, until you start teaching it. And a lot of you ought to be teaching by now. You need to open up your home and run a Bible study. You've got all the tools. I can't teach you anymore. You need milk. You need meat. Some of you need to go upstairs and teach munchkins. You will learn more teaching those little, beautiful little, there, see? Transformed by the renewing of my mind, having right thoughts about people. You're going to learn more about teaching those beautiful little kids than you could ever learn from me on a Sunday morning. Right, teachers? You learn more teaching than you do from sitting here and listening. You just do. All right, next, next and last point is that you have to believe and you have to choose change. And this is what, this is what the strength comes from. You, okay, here's a, here's a false thought. I'm never gonna change. False thought, lie from the enemy, you can change. False thought that you can have about people, and this is one that I've dealt with. Every pastor deals with this because you pour your lives out into somebody. Okay, if you are called to be an Obi-Wan Kenobi in your life, you need to transition from, from milk into meat, and you need to start pouring into somebody's life, I've got some bad news for you. It's not going to work out so well. Like you're going to pour your life into somebody. You're going to give them your time. You're going you, you, to give them the energy. You're going to buy them Starbucks, and then they're going to flake out and not, they don't care. They're just going to quit on you. It's, it's just true. It's human nature. And you've got to have, you have to have that strength deep out, down inside of you. You've got to say, I'm not going to allow that experience, that failure, that disappointment to taint my beliefs about what the word of God says. Because the word of God says, people do change. The truth about the word of God, what does the world say? The world says you can't teach an old dog new tricks. That's not biblical because Abraham was an old dog and he got taught a lot of new tricks, right? So don't accept that lie 
people do change. Again, it's one of the biggest lies in the ministry. If you go into ministry, if you're going to mentor, the, the, the enemy of God is going to say, look, you had a failure, people don't change. But you cannot accept that lie because people do change. There is hope. There's hope for everyone. Every backslider, every negative person. I, I mean, I'm even in this place where I'm questioning people's salvation, the people that I poured into. It's like, oh, my gosh. Not only did they backslide, they fell off the cliff. I, you know, this is big, giant theological camel, can of worms, right? Once saved, always saved. I don't know about that. I think they're going to hell. <laughs> That's the big, giant theological camel worms. But they can still be saved. Look, here's the thing, folks. You have to believe that you can change. And not only that, you have to believe that you have all the resources and the power to do so. God can do it. He can do it. He can change you. He can change your rotten kids. He can change your neighbor. Don't give up hope. That old crusty guy in the, in the grocery store, he can change that person. He can change his heart. Romans 4.17 says, As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God in whom we believe. Again, there's that belief thing, which is very difficult for us to do. Here's the take home. The God who gives life to the dead. Look, right. We were all dead, and God has brought us to life spiritually. And again, here's the thing. And he calls into being things that were not. Did you know that God can call into being not only I don't know, salvation for your rotten kids. But God can also call into being things that are not, things that do not exist inside of you. I can't change. It's impossible for me to be organized. I'm not an organized person. That's a, that, that can change. If God can create the galaxy with Luke Skywalker in it, he can change an emotion inside of you. He can change a habit inside of you. He can change it all, right? He can. All right, here we go. We've got to wrap this up. What is God? Okay, hopefully you've written some things about limiting beliefs about yourself on your little card. You guys do that? Did you, believe, did you write down some limiting beliefs about yourself about on this card, whining things about yourself? Okay. Now, that, that, that thing that you wrote about yourself, I'm always going to be single. I'm never going to get out of debt. I'm a, I'm a loser. I'm bad at relationships. I'm bad with intimacy. All these different things that you write about yourself, you need to cross it out now. And you need to, you need to physically replace it with what God believes about you. And take a few minutes. I want you to do it right now. You've got to replace the lies of the enemy with what God says about you. And maybe you're sitting in here and you're like, I have no idea what God is saying about me right now. I don't know what he believes about me. Do you, you don't, if you don't know what God believes about you, you just need to, again, you got to change the way that you think because God thinks that you're amazing. First of all, you are, you are beautifully and wonderfully made. Maybe you just don't believe that about yourself. Maybe you were, I don't know, maybe you were conceived out of wedlock and you just don't believe that you're a part of God's plan. But the word of God says that before you were born, you were knitted in your mother's womb. He knows you. You were beautifully and you're wonderfully made. 
So maybe deep down inside of your conscience, you just think that you're an illegitimate son or illegitimate daughter, but you're not. You're a beautiful person. Even if, all right, let's see. What, what, remember when we did the prophetic conference last year? Pretty cool. Maybe you need to review your history. Maybe you're struggling right now. If you went through that conference, God spoke something to you. Write this down on your card, and you need to begin to think about it and to believe it about yourself. Is there anybody in the room that doesn't know what God believes about them? Anybody that bold to raise your hand? Do you need a word from God today? Close your eyes. Take a moment and say, Holy Spirit, I want you to reveal to me right now improper beliefs I believe about myself. And then, Holy Spirit, I want you to replace that thought with an empowering belief that I have that comes from you. Take a few moments and do that. That's good, huh? Write it down, folks. You gotta, you gotta, the word of God says, write the vision down and make it plain. Stick this thing on your refrigerator at home. If you got a scripture, to, you can stick with it. Write that scripture on it. Now, here's the thing. Um, for the most part, God does whatever he wants to do. But for the most part, there is no magic pill. There is no spell that I can speak over to you that's going to automatically change Back to Philippians in 2.12, it says, Therefore, my dear brothers and friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but much more outside of my presence, and here's the thing, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Some, some translation says daily. Pastor Josh, I got saved when I was 13. Why do I need to continue to work out my salvation with, with fear and trembling? You know what? There are certain parts of us that just don't get transformed until later in life. Yeah, you got saved when you were 16, but you were a whiny Luke Skywalker. And that part has to change. That part has to be moved. That part of you has to be moved and transformed into salvation. It has to. All right, if I could get the band and the ushers to come to the front, and as they're on their way up. There was a man in the Bible that went on a hero's journey as well. We rarely talk about this man. But quite possibly, it was the shortest hero's journey ever. As Jesus was dying on the cross, there were two thieves on each side of him. One says, oh, Jesus, if you, you say you're the son of God, if you're all that, then get, a, get yourself off this cross and get us off at the same time. He mocks Jesus. And the other guy says, you fool, don't you realize that we are sinners and we deserve this? Like, what's he doing? Like, he's doing some really powerful self-reflection here. He knows that he's, that he's blowing it. But what else does he say? 
says, will you remember me when you go into your father's house? And what that is saying is that he is believing a truth that Jesus and God the Father, they'd love him. And because of that true statement, will you remember me, Lord? Jesus responds, today you will be with me in paradise. Because at this very moment, you changed the way that you thought about the world. You transformed your mind within a millisecond. Because of that, this momentary pain of crucifixion that you're experiencing, that you're going to wake up in a brand new galaxy. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this new year. And I pray right now that we will quit whining about ourselves and about you and about our circumstances and about our brothers and sisters and that we will just cast off all of those things, that we will hold every thought captive and that we will move ourselves into our best year we've ever had. So God, may we be faithful. May we, may we offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. May we offer everything about us, all of our strength that we have. May it just be bent towards your will in this season. Transform us from the inside out, God. We desperately need it. May it be your will and not our will in this coming year. Bless you in your name. Amen.